0: Hi everyone, I'm Donia. I'm Esther. I'm Layla, And you're listening to The Exposé, where we peel back the layers around a taboo topic, onion style. This week we'll be talking about mental health and recovery from eating disorders. Layla will be asking today's weird question, so stick around till the end to hear it.
1: Okay, so you know it's gonna be a weird question. Before we start, two quick things. Um, This episode is going to discuss some content that may be disturbing or troubling to some listeners, so if that is you, please turn off this episode. We're really excited to have a special guest on this week. Um, Her name is Taylor Ferris, and she is one of our associate producers, and I'm going to let Taylor give you a weird fact about herself, because that's the best way to get to know someone.
2: Hi, I'm Taylor. I'm located in New York City right now, going to school, and uh, what's a weird fact? About me, I have a spot-on Pikachu impression.
1: Well, now you have to do
2: it. Let's see. I'm I'm sick right now, so we'll see if I can do this. Pikachu. <laughs> oh <Wow>. my god. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was adorable. Um. Well, with <laughs> that super adorable beginning, I guess we'll just dive right into the less adorable parts. <laughs> Won't you sleep? So yeah. this week we're you know we're talking about mental health and eating disorders and i think that we've kind of broached this topic in the past when we discussed Netflix's To The Bone, as well as, you know, other Netflix series. Um, We love you, Netflix. But when it comes to women, particularly women of color, eating disorders really aren't things that are discussed widely or even recognized as such. Um, And I think that that's that's something that we need to take a step back and look at because I know that for myself, I had I dealt with an eating disorder for several years, and it still comes back once in a while. And um, and I didn't even know what it was until I read this pamphlet at like one a.m. in my dorm about this is what like this is what an eating disorder looks like. And then it just hit me that like it's not just something that happens to other people. That, like I actually was dealing with it. It's kind of insane in in, in my opinion that we don't even <laughs> we don't even know what it looks like in our own cells or in our own communities because nobody wants to talk about it.
0: I feel like a lot of people equate an eating disorder with um, anorexia or bulimia and binge eating disorders are actually very common and affect a lot of people. And like I personally was experienced, like I had experience with binge eating disorder when I was in middle school and a little bit in high school um, when I was dealing with a lot of emotional issues in my family. Um, And so when you know, people talk about eating disorders, they kind of always gloss over that one. And it really makes me feel like, you know, it's excluding a huge group of people that are impacted and inflicted with this.
2: Yeah, exactly. And like for me, I had atypical anorexia, meaning I didn't get to a point where I was severely enough underweight to be classified as normal, of having normal anorexia. And for a long time, I didn't realize I was sick. Uh, Because of that fact, I thought that only, I thought that only like very, very thin people were like had the privilege of being like labeled this, this like sickness. And so I didn't think I was sick, and, um, on top of that, like, I didn't ever miss, like, my period, which is also a huge, like, it's, uh, you're supposed to miss it three times to be able to be, uh, to be able to be, um, classified as having anorexia, even though I was extremely sick and had heart issues because of it.
1: So I guess before we move forward with the episode, um, I think one thing to kind of clarify is what our ethnicities or our heritages are because I think that will kind of help put a, like a better understanding of like where everybody falls so i'll pick on taylor since she's the guest why don't you tell us where what your heritage is it's messy um no i'm
2: uh so i'm latina but i'm chicana so my mom is uh mexican and my dad is white yeah that's pretty much what it is but it's also just complications
3: and along the way because like i'm a white passing latina that's essentially yeah i'm in a similar well no def- we're different but <laughs> i am hispanic but not Latina so come from an immigrant undocumented family and uh, but I'm white European
1: so I'm half Syrian half Danish Uh, I'm an immigrant and I'm Muslim so within my faith and predominantly immigrant communities I'm seen as white passing and to you know America and the world at large I am not seen as white at all so it's a weird space to kind of interact within it's like a little playground. <laughs> <laughs> um.
0: So I am an Iranian American. Both my parents are from Iran, and um, I think so. Depending on where I've been, um, I'm either white passing or people identify me as a person of color. In Florida, I grew up in Florida, and because I have you know darker features, people often thought that I was Latina. Um, and in New York where I went to school people thought I was Arab American and then some people also thought maybe I was like Greek or Italian only because the the features are kind of similar. Uh, For the most part I think people have identified me as a minority but I guess sometimes I am considered white passing. I think it's really important to consider um, eating disorders and, and mental health related to eating disorders as an intersectional issue and you really have to take it in light of, of your background, because I think for me, like being a part of the Middle Eastern community, we don't really talk about eating disorders. And, um, you know, especially for my mom, it was something very difficult to cope when, you know, my doctor was like, well, I think Donia is experiencing like, um, a binge eating disorder. That was something that for my mom, it was just like, you know, like she was eating too much and she needs to lose weight. And it, it didn't really um, occur to her that it was related to like mental health issues that I was experiencing at the time. And for, I think that is because of, you know, how my mom raised and a huge taboo in our culture when it comes to, um, mental health issues and eating disorders. So I think it's really important to take that, um, into consideration and and consider this issue a very intersectional one.
3: I agree with that. And I thought that it was very interesting that, um, well, first of all, I think it's important to acknowledge that we are all white passing in certain communities, right? And so there are limitations on how we can discuss this topic from our own personal experiences. There are other folks um, who will have a different experience because um, they are explicitly brown and black. But I think it's also interesting that we, that each of us is actually um, maybe identified in certain communities as a person of color and in others as um, as white because I do think that that actually um, it affects the experience that we have with mental health issues and our own perceptions of our body because for example um, I grew up in Utah which is a very it's mostly white and the culture there is really I, I feel like white Americans their ideal beauty Um, and what has been like standardized as beauty in this country is like a thin white woman. And I have, I'm like a lot curvier than that. I have darker features. I have like, um, you know, thick eyebrows, a big butt, (laughs) like, you know, all this. And so in, um, in that community, I didn't feel like I was the standard of beauty when in, um, like Latinx and, um, and other communities, I've been told like, oh, you have like the ideal body. So that's kind of interesting, I think. Um, and then there's also another way that it that the intersectionality plays out, particularly in immigrant communities and specifically undocumented immigrant communities. My mom did not like taking me to the doctor. Um, we didn't have insurance for a while. Like undocumented people often don't have access to healthcare and so like we, and then there's also, like, stigma around um, mental health. So I had a lot of body issues as a kid, and not once did anyone ever think to, like, take me to see someone to, to like, deal with that. Like, mental health was just not discussed, and we didn't really have access to healthcare in the same way as other people did.
2: Yeah, going off that, um, I had a similar or I had an experience that had some similarities to that. So when I um, first developed an eating disorder, it was when I was 14, I think. Um, And at that time, my parents were going through a really bad divorce. And um, all of the money was either going to like uh, treatments for my grandma, who was having a lot of a lot of health issues at the time, or lawyer bills and like that was a time in which we were really struggling um and um i remember i was also taking care of my little brother um at the time because my mom was too busy doing things and also just heartbroken and this is not a reflection of my family or anything i love them very dearly but like that's what was going on i remember thinking like i need to get help probably somewhere around 16 but Knowing my family couldn't afford it, so never saying anything to them. I was like terrified of saying anything because I thought that that would mean that like my brother couldn't go to the school he wanted to go to or that we couldn't, um, we couldn't like get enough groceries or something like that. And I didn't, and I knew how expensive it was. So I just was terrified of saying anything.
1: I never actually got formally diagnosed with my eating disorder and part of that is because I hit it or I was also told that I was losing the weight I needed to lose so my family is extremely like we come from these interesting backgrounds in which you know you have like simultaneously in my family so I have seven siblings you have people who are Big boned and people who are bird boned, um, as we like to categorize in my family. And so as someone who was homeschooled and and also the oldest of the family um, and dealing with chronic depression since I was probably about 10 years old, um, and anxiety that just has been beautifully developing into the little butterfly that it is now. God damn you, anxiety. Um <laughs> Um you know I I didn't really realize it but I coped a lot by when I was younger I would smuggle bags of chocolate chips into my room and just eat them and then um that led to me being gaining weight pretty quickly and and still being like a normal weight size but you know as a teenager I was like curvier than my siblings and then um, going into college, I remember um, towards the end of my sophomore year, or like sophomore, I'm trying to think like because I remember writing it down, but basically I wrote down on a post-it note. Um, I used to keep like all of these tiny stickies like all over my calendar and like in just the most random locations I would find them months later. And I remember I wrote unconsciously, like I do this thing where I haven't eaten potato chips in over 15 years because I decided one day that I don't want my skin to be oily so I like said I don't like potato chips and now I actually have like I get really My body actually reacts to it and I, ha- I hated being tickled by my dad when I was eight years old So I said I will no longer be tickled and now my body reacts like it's like really painful If someone <laughs> tickles me so I'm like really weird right So then I started only eating white foods and my friends would always make fun of me They were like oh like you're white so you're eating white food Like that was the joke and like I dropped a lot of weight I I think there's just so many things that are wrapped up when it comes to mental health and eating disorders, when it comes to a woman's worth, that I was actually encouraged, like not encouraged to keep eating in this way because I wasn't telling people, you know, like, oh, I only eat white foods. It was just like I actually had a visceral reaction if someone tried to force me to eat any other kind of food. Um, And it was only until the end of junior year that like that's when I discovered that something might be wrong, but I was still in denial. Like, I didn't want to fix it because I was like, oh, well, I'm skinny and, like, I'm pretty. And um, I remember one of my best friends, like, who's now in med school, was like, Leda, like, there's something wrong and, it, like, it's not because you're white and eating white food. Like, can you please try to eat this, like, other food? So, and, and and my eating disorder was a manifestation of, like, my anxiety and attempting to control things. So it actually got worse post-college because of some trauma and, um, and it still comes on and off. Like if I'm not careful, if I'm stressed out, I will go an entire day without having anything except for an iced mocha, which is like a joke. It's a joke. Like, I'll be like, oh, I only had an iced mocha today, LOL. But like, it's not really LOL. Cause I'm physically like exhausted.
0: For me, that's interesting. Cause for me, I've been actively, um, trying to lose weight. I've, I've had like a, a basically I've had a journey with, my weight, my entire life. Um, and a couple of years ago, I decided I really wanted, I didn't want to fluctuate anymore. And I wanted to do this for me. Um, so about a year and a half ago, I started like my journey and I lost, I've lost 85 pounds so far. And um, I have like for myself, like I, I have like about 40 to 50 more that I want to lose. Um, and for me, it's interesting because one, I hate when people are like, Oh my God, 40 to 50. Why you look great. But you know, for me, it's like, it's it's like a personal thing. It's it's for my own happiness. It's not really to please anybody. Um, and secondly, when people are just like, oh my god, you look so pretty, and like equating like beauty with how much weight I've lost. When when people tell me that, and I'm always like thinking like, oh, I guess you didn't think I was pretty when I was overweight, but now that I've I've lost weight, I'm like so pretty. Um, and that just kind of I think those kind of comments um, contribute to the very Unhealthy relationship I've had with food my entire life.
3: Yeah, and that's it's also like I feel like so those comments can also be really cultural. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes. Well,
0: okay. So, so being Persian, like it's such a normal thing. Like it's not weird to say, "Oh wow, you look fat," or "Oh wow, you you look you look thin." So it's great. So when I'm talking to, to family, like, especially family who, who live in Iran or more traditional, they're always just like, oh, wow, like, good, you lost a lot of weight. You were looking fat there. And for me, it's, like, very weird. Like, you know, I, I think more, like, American culture, you're a little bit more subtle about it, Um I think, I think on the most part, people wouldn't tell you like, oh my gosh, you look really fat. But like in our culture, that's not a weird thing. And sometimes it's like very <laughs> weird for me to navigate those two. Yep. And I'm, I I want to get really offended, but they don't mean it from like, I don't think it's intended to be offended. It's just kind of a, a very matter of fact thing, weight in our, in our <laughs> culture, you know, like, yep, you look fat. <laughs> and, and I totally. hate, and, and I hate also that like, oh, I hate also that fat is the word used. A lot of times for me, like there's a different word used that's kind of like chubby, but in a cute way, like with little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I think in that way, it's like, okay, I'm 24. I don't really want to be, <laughs> really want to be classified as that anymore.
3: Yeah, it, it's very similar in Spanish culture as well um, to just constant, like the way that you tease each other, compliment each other, especially like, you know, with your mom and even your dad, like my dad, does not, there's like no boundaries around like what he can say about my body, you know? And so so sometimes it's like, you know, I remember one day I was, um, I was shopping with him, um, for a dress to wear to my sister's graduation. So I was shopping with my dad one day, um, for a, a dress and I found one that I liked that was shorter. Um, so it was like above my knees and This, he may not, I don't think that he was thinking about it in this way, um, at all. Like, we've had a conversation about it since then, um, but he was like, oh, you know, you don't have the legs for that dress, and I was, like, so hurt by that, because I have a complex about my legs, and, uh, and to have him, like, you know, speak into that, and it's, like, my father, and, um... Yeah, it just, like, sucked, but I think that some of that also came... He's, like, very conservative religious guy, and, um, you know, Mormon culture is all about, like, modesty, and there's a lot of, like, slut-shaming and all of this stuff, and so I think some of that was also coming from, like, you know, he's like, that skirt is too short, um, but yeah, I... There... Yeah, it's like, your body is just there for people to comment on <laughs> in Spanish culture, And there's also cultural things about like, you know, there's pressure to eat too. So it's like all while they're, they're criticizing your weight and telling you like, you're too skinny, you're too fat. um, They're also saying, eat everything on your plate. You know, it's rude to say no when someone offers you food. Um, And it's like, oh my God, what am I supposed to do? (laughs) Like, yeah, it's very confusing.
1: It's difficult. It really is difficult if a culture is built around both making sure that you're hospitable, but also making sure that as a woman, you're you're abiding by the standards that everyone else is setting. Like, I've had that, like, I'm not encouraged to wear certain outfits. <laughs> or like, now that I have bigger boobs, because shout out to weight gain that also <laughs> helped my boobs. <laughs> then I should be covering my boobs, but I'm like, when I didn't have any... I was, like, trying to accentuate, like, what little I had because I was, like, proud of them. And now I'm like, what do you want me to wear? Like, a friggin burqa? And that's – I'm allowed to make that joke because I'm Muslim, guys. I'm allowed to make that joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say that. Like, I make that joke and I'm like, it's okay. It's, that's my that's my people's.
2: <laughs> poop thing is so real, though, because, like – after I, like, quasi-recovered for, like, the, what, first, maybe second time? It's been a long time, a lot of times, but, um, I, like, I never had boobs, like, I never did, and then, so, like, I'd say, like, junior year of high school, they just came, and I was, like, what do I do with these? Oh, my god, (laughs) and, like, somebody from school was just, like, where did those come from? I'm like, you know, I really have no clue. I had a clue, but, like, um, I was like, where did they come from? And then, like, I got, like, teachers would always be like, no, you have to, you can't wear that shirt and stuff like that. And it just made it worse, like, because I had, like, just gained this weight for my health and then, like, to be, like, very instantly shamed for it.
3: Yeah. Well, that that's another thing that speaks into, like, you know, um, race and ethnicity, that um, women from different parts of the world and of different races um, develop at different stages, um, and I, I feel like you know most of my friends when I was in um, elementary school. Like when I started, I started developing. I got my period at eleven, and started getting boobs. I was as tall as I am now, as five six at eleven years old, and a lot bigger than all of my friends and. Um and I I wasn't um overweight by like whatever standard is decided to what is the ideal weight. Um but I was quite a lot bigger, taller, wider, you know, was had boobs and stuff a lot faster than like a couple of years before a lot of um my like white American like northern european <laughs> heritage um friends and it that was very difficult for me. Um, because I was ashamed of I was so ashamed. I was like wearing baggy shirts uh to hide my boobs. I just like didn't want anybody to reference that I that I had them. Um wait, you have boobs? <laughs> <laughs> now I'm feeling all sorts of uh, ashamed of it. So for uh, for, for me kidding. it's
0: like I <laughs> Um, I was waiting for them to come and waiting and waiting, still waiting. They never came. Um, <laughs> and people are always like, oh, my God, you're Persian, though. Like, aren't you supposed to be super curvy? And I'm like very curvy and I have a pretty big ass, but they just never came. Yeah. People...
1: It's a nice ass, people. And then people. <laughs> and people are always like, oh.
0: Fortunate, I <laughs> love <you>. uh, no. <laughs> no, they never... you see I'm the
2: opposite I have no ass it's awful <laughs> well
0: you know my mom always like she tries to um make me feel better and she's like listen like you would look so much heavier if you had boobs so it's a good thing you don't And I'm like thanks mama <laughs> it's like a, it's like a insult and a compliment in one like be grateful they would make you look way fatter than you are she says it from love, y'all. No, on that
2: same vein, yeah. No, like, so I love my grandmother dearly. The stars aligned for this one. My grandmother really enjoys body shaming me. It's a thing. Um, again, love her dearly. And I was living with her at the time of, like, that, all those issues coming up. And so, like, when I was in middle school, because I was chubby in middle school, Cause I, she like would be like, oh, I don't think you should eat that. Oh, I don't think you should. I don't think you should have that second serving. Or maybe she would give me a half a serving when my my brother had like a full serving of anything. And then she actually told me that I should put like Saran wrap around my stomach so I could sweat out, which is not scientifically not proven. Like that's not a thing. You don't do that. That's what but they're taught. It was all very much. Yeah, it's very much based in like this idea that like she needed to be and she was younger and she never really got to and so she tried to enforce that on me and it was out of love but it sucked and the irony is that when i got skinny she said that i was too skinny because there's that whole i'm latina i have
1: to be curvy but not too curvy kind of thing there was a 2006 study that showed that doctors are less likely to diagnose a fictional patient with an eating disorder if the patient was African-American rather than Caucasian or Hispanic. When it comes to the United States, 4.4% of our population, which is about 13 million Americans, have an eating disorder. So the fact of the matter is, is that we're all having conversations. We've all dealt with some form of unhealthy relationship when it comes to food and when it comes to our body. So that really begs the question, why isn't this a conversation that more people are having and when we do have the conversation many times it is centered around characters that are seen um, as more quote-unquote palatable for uh, the general public so when i say palatable i mean um, caucasian characters and i will note that i specifically say that because we've kind of found through informal studies here at the tempest that when it comes to articles, um, we make a very concerted effort to not feature white people on the front of the article, like on the featured image. You know, a lot of our articles have everyone except for maybe like 10%. I'm, re- I'm actually pretty proud of this. Like probably like 10 to 15% have white girls on the cover. Um, and we do have white readers. I will note that. But the interesting thing is, is that people get really confused when they're reading an article and the article image has someone who looks like them, but it's an article that's written by someone who isn't from their background at all. Uh, And I think it speaks to this reality of like the default is a certain type of person. And so we're discussing treatments and disorders framed many times within the reality of people that usually show up for these studies, which are white people, and people that usually are portrayed um, which again are white people and I'm not knocking on white people because I am half white but I'm simply stating that there is a serious issue that's going on where you know I've spoken to girls within within the communities that I intersect with so I've spoken to girls who identify as South Asian or Arab um, or African and many times they have unhealthy eating habits but they're not willing to ch- say that that's an eating disorder. I remember there was this a like, girl that came to our house. We had like this like little gathering of, you know, it was like arts and crafts time. And I mean, she, she was obviously dealing with anorexia as she didn't eat anything the entire time. And all signs in terms of her body was pointing to a serious struggle with an eating disorder. But nobody could talk to her about it because she was extremely adamant about the fact that she ate and that she was completely fine um, and, and she was South Asian. And so the question is that I have, I guess, is how do we even start to have conversations with communities in which the the very rhetoric that we're all discussing, the experiences that we're all discussing come from places where a lot of times it's well-meaning family members, well-meaning community members, you know, dealing with folks back home, all of whom, you know, have grown up within these certain constructs, how, how do we then ensure that we start those conversations without seeming like, you know, like feminist crusaders, which I'm totally fine being labeled as a feminist crusader, um, except for the part where I'm lab- labeled as a crusader because they kind of, like, annihilated a good chunk of my people. <laughs> a couple hundred years back so I guess I'm like fine being labeled as a feminist <laughs> crusaders a little <laughs> stretch <laughs> yeah it's a little bit of a stretch but but the question a feminist champion okay so the question is really like what do you guys think we need to do and this isn't just for those of us in the conversation right now but if you're listening you have ideas like feel free and reach out because like we we do love your ideas but what are ways that we can have those conversations especially with younger with younger individuals that are growing up because I, I I've see issues you know even in in those that are younger than me and my family in my community that they're dealing with it too and sometimes they're able to put a label on it other times they don't know what that label is They, they haven't been told that this label can apply to them so what do we do
3: so i think there's a variety of answers to that question um so i'll just speak from personal experience on on ways that i have handled this um because i feel like we are getting assaulted at home you know about our bodies when we go outside and in the media that we're um digesting and then um you know even just the way that we talk to each other as women like even this conversation there have been times when we have like you know what is fat and skinny and really you know like it it, that's different for different people and it's just such a yeah there there I think there might be better ways to talk about it that I don't know exactly but uh one of the things that I did for example like my I'm all about calling my parents in and calling them out sometimes. And I know that not everybody has that kind of relationship with their parent. um, So that that is a privilege that I have. Um, But for example, like, you know, my dad said that to me about my legs. And I remember one day I was taking a walk with him and his wife and we were walking in back of a woman who was wearing these like, she was um, a little bit shorter and she was wearing these really high heels. And my dad just made like a comment about, cause I guess my stepmom like wanted to wear high heels like that and he didn't think that they were nice. And he's like, well, look at that woman. Just look at what she looks like. And he was like criticizing what she was wearing. And I think that in the past, I may have just like laughed nervously or just like not said anything Um, but I was like, you know what? This is a learning moment for my father. (laughs) And so I told him, I was like, I was like, dad, why are you like, what are you doing here? Do you think that you have the best fashion sense? Look at what you're wearing. (laughs) Maybe that wasn't the right approach to like shame him for his own wardrobe choices. (laughs) But I was like, you know, don't be so judgmental. And I really like kind of used his faith, you you know, like called him up to his faith values. And I was like, Dad, like, is this what Jesus would do? Would Jesus like walk around and like tell women not to wear high heels because he doesn't think it looks nice on them? And so that actually, I was really surprised that my dad, because my dad didn't react defensively. He was like, yeah, he was. it was like a come to Jesus literally moment (laughs) for him. And he was like. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, and then I, you know, I had a very explicit conversation with him about how he made me feel that day about my legs, and, um, and that was real. That was like a good bonding moment for us. And also, yeah, I, I just, I'm all about like explicit communication. And I know it's a lot easier said than done. But I think that if we can like really check our families on this stuff, you know, gently and and with respect. Uh, But I think that. That we could come a long way at least um with our families if we were explicit so i want to like i guess bring in how
2: i got better which was a mixture of my own uh my own like coming to realization that this is not healthy it's not sustainable i'm not going to be able to do the things i want to do if i can if i continue to like abuse my body like this and on top of that like the, like, internet community is a great and dangerous and terrifying and beautiful place Um, in the respect that, like, Tumblr, ironically, which, again, Tumblr you need to be careful with because there are some really terrible communities where people really, like, romanticize it to the point where it's actually terrifying and give you tips and things like that. I'm not even going to say the tag right now, but in case there are people who are listening who are interested it's not hard to find but i'd rather it be harder to find um and so there are communities like that on tumblr but there are also recovery communities on tumblr and people who have theirs who tell their stories explain like um, explain exactly like how much you should be getting, how much you should be getting in calorie, calorie-wise or food-wise when you're like making a recover or doing recovery because you're going off of a deficit, um, and like there were just these pro or these programs online and like just googling and like looking up like how can I do this and if you can have a medical professional that's phenomenal, I would completely recommend that because that's a lot better. But if you're like me who was terrified of the money aspect of it who didn't want to get help because didn't she didn't think that like we could afford it I that was the way I did it and then when I came to college I was lucky in the respect that I go to a college with like these programs but when I came to college I finally like I was on the insurance there so I just um I went to primary care one day and I was like I want to you know set up an appointment with the eating disorder specialist because I feel like I'm not fully better with this yet and like the entirety of my freshman year I worked with her and it was phenomenal but also like I think it wouldn't have benefited me as much had I not had that
3: like research and like community prior to so uh, I, I think that representation is um, also a way that we can um, support people in feeling comfortable with who they are and what they look like. Um, and uh, that's why I really believe in the Tempest. And I'm really grateful that it's around because it uh, I, I really think that we need more platforms. Um, that center women of color and marginalized women and um, gender non-conforming people. Um, yeah, and just have people sharing their stories and, and seeing more diversity out there. Because I know that that really helped me start to become more comfortable with who I am in all aspects of my identity um, and really helped heal me um, emotionally, mentally, physically. And I'm still on that journey, as I'm sure we all are. Um, But if you are going through this right now and you are um, in the depths of despair (laughs) um, and really need uh, um, an ally and some support in this, um, you can call the NIDA helpline. And that is 1-800-931-2237. So reach out to them if you need some support.
1: Well, note that we're, we're here and we do share, um, of course, we have a lot of stories about people who have dealt with mental health and eating disorders, but we're not trained professionals on this. And that's something that's really important. You know, getting feedback and getting support from your friends and family or just people on the internet um, or on Instagram is great. But at the end of the day, if it's a possibility for you at all to go to the doctor um, or go to your therapist or someone who has training in this sort of thing. I tell people this over and over again. You're not. I can't fix you. Like I, I don't have a degree in that fixing part. But I. But it, it. It's really important to note that the help that I got came from my time at therapy. It didn't come from my friends. My friends are there to support me, and they're there to to um, gently encourage me but I'm also a very stubborn person and I get really agitated when someone tells me to go eat food so um, if I don't feel like it so so therapy was where I got my help so this helpline is there and we'll include it in the show notes um, on the episode itself and you know we of course have resources on the site but really understand that I was once told that I could get therapy from my mom. And I love my mom to death, but no. Nope. No. no. I cannot do that. I love my mom. No, no, no. That's not
0: Probably hot. part of the reason I need therapy. So.
3: Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so, all right. Let's wrap this up. Layla, can you ask us your weird question?
1: Yes. And this is coming from literally out of left field because I'm coming up with it right now so let's hear it let's do this i am traveling to germany uh on saturday and then i'm going to dubai for a week so my question is is if you could go anywhere in the world where would you go but i don't want to just know where would you go what is the weird thing that you would do there that you cannot do back home that sounds colonialist to a certain extent so I'm saying if you could go anywhere in the world, whether it be fictional, real life or historical, what would you do? Where And like, where would you go? So okay, I'm you're gonna really
0: put... adding fictional in there. <laughs> I in am the I I fictional just... in there because. OK, cool.
3: I appreciate that because this is a triggering question without some imagination for me. <laughs>
1: there you go. See, see, I know Esther. I, yeah. And myself. We just literally had um, at this time of the recording yesterday was. National Indigenous Peoples Day, because fuck the white guy that decided to come here (laughs) and ruin everything. (laughs) So because Taylor is our guest, um, Taylor, you get to go first.
2: Okay, this is rough. Um... (laughs) i just have a lot of places like first i was like oh man i'll just say like a country and then i'll be like i don't know it's pretty and then you're you added the fictional part so i have to like (laughs) uh, i'm like torn between narnia and hogwarts but probably (sighs) hogwarts but what would you do there be a wizard. Be like Hermione and literally never stop studying. Because, <laughs> like, like, why would you stop studying if it was magic? Like, I, I feel a lot, I feel very personally connected to Hermione for this reason. Like, I feel like they don't, people don't understand that she's so, so studious because it's literally magic. Yeah.
3: It is yeah. very exciting.
2: Yeah. So, that's probably where I'd go. I mean, Narnia is cool and all, but I think it'd be Hogwarts.
1: Thank you, thank you for taking my answer, Taylor. I'm sorry. <laughs> what house are you? In? It's okay. I would totally okay. I will. I will save my answer for my time. But Donya, you get to go next because you put me on the spot.
0: Okay, y'all. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm trying to um, go to. New York, and more specifically, the closet, the Vogue closet um, in the Double Wear's Prada. I'm trying to go there, and why would I go there? Because I want everything. Uh, duh. So that is the place that I would travel to. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying I've to get a free Prada bag. I've
1: been to I've been to the offices of Vogue, and it's like insanity. So,
0: like I a good you. insanity. Yes. Like she walked away with like what hundreds and thousands of dollars of, of free stuff no one ever wanted to point that out. I'm like she is getting getting to work like wearing all of this designer stuff that she just pulled from the closet.
3: I I want to live there. Esther. <laughs> so I feel like I like, this, it's been kind of a rough weekend, so I'm in need of some TLC. And so the place that I would love to be right now is, um, you know, in the um, the book, the Rin- A Wrinkle in Time? Yes. They go yes. to Anti-Beast. Yes! Those, oh my gosh, yes. Those, <laughs> those big furry animals that don't have eyes and they, like, yeah. communicate um, non-verbally and they just, like hold you and heal you yes that is where i'd like to be right now i just like like to be cuddling with anti-beast
2: i'm literally crying that's such a great answer i'm so happy you said that
3: (laughs) we all need some anti-beast cuddles
1: and i'm so excited that a wrinkle in time is actually coming out and it's Ah. being being directed by the amazing ava duvernay like i'm pooping my pants in excitement like, <laughs> try not to curse. That was no, amazing. No, I'm so excited. I, re- I reread the books um, this summer.
0: I think cursing would well, have you been know better what? for that one.
1: Just because I got to take a poop in my <laughs> pants doesn't mean you got to shame the poor woman. <laughs> okay, okay. So my answer, I can't follow up with Estera's answer. Um, so I, <laughs> I'll i give you a two-part. It's a two, two places because Taylor did that too, so I'm okay with it. Um, the first one is... Peter Pan, like, but not not okay, so I don't actually like Neverland, (laughs) because it's pretty depressing. And if you read the books, it's just really depressing. So I want the ability to fly. So I would actually choose my dreams, I would choose my dreams as the place that I want to live in, because my dreams are basically novels. And the other week I dreamt that I was um, from Kill Bill and I was an assassin. But basically in all of my dreams, I can fly and I'm fucking awesome. So I want to be there. (laughs) Like I want to be there right now. It's great having anxiety because your body works extra hard to keep you asleep. And so I get the best goddamn dreams (laughs) out of it
3: nice those are powerful
1: yeah so flying fly and i know that in um dream languages that that it means you're on top of your stuff which is why i find it kind of ironic because that's not (laughs) really always the case but i think that flying is so cathartic in a way because you can just let go like you just buy can you control your dreams sometimes but like other times it's like i mean i've honestly i still have like i can still remember them so i've always wanted to write a book about Like, from my dreams. But it won't be, like, the Twilight bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) It will not be (laughs) a sex dream that I then turn into a book. (laughs) Um. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway... With that lovely outro, thank you, Layla, for the as usual <laughs> X-rated outro. I am embarrassed. So we're we're gonna close things out. Um, thank you so much, Taylor, for coming on and sharing your wise insights. And we would love to have you back on. So expect that to be a reality. <laughs> um,
2: Taylor's like, <laughs> I'd be pleasured. No, I would be pleasured.
3: Oh, you will be pleasured. <laughs> oh, I should have that coming. I really sorry i couldn't we're help not- it you just set it up there. so good esther
1: you were amazing because it i happened. was like how do i say it without being really creepy and esther just knocked it out of the park <laughs> just no for
3: the queer. <laughs> sorry i didn't mean it that way i hope you didn't feel disrespected no no i don't love have i don't you here. we're good
1: <laughs> that was amazing um with that, thank you, dear listener. Um, the expose is produced by Narmin Sayed, Suha Sabath, Esther Meroni Obaro, Dunya Nasser, Mary Morrison, Taylor ferris Beverly Wakiaga, and me. Leila Lawa. We put out new episodes every Wednesday or Thursday. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and podmas Go to thetempest.co for more information, breakdowns of each episode, and the link to our Twitter so you can keep up with us all the time. And I'll note this our Spring Fellowships just opened up. So if you want the quick URL, it's thetempest.co slash fellowships. And I can tell you that our fellowships are the shit. That's also because I'm the founder. Um, but Taylor Taylor was a fellow. And um, I'm assuming she doesn't think the fellowships were shit because she's still around. <laughs> yeah, I stuck around. So it's, I can vouch. It was great. Good. You, I was like she can either vouch it was great or it was, it was, it was doable um, yeah so you should apply
0: The expose is brought to you by The Tempest the global media company changing the narrative of diverse millennial women you can find our playlist on Spotify and 8Tracks to spice up your music library trust me it's amazing we update it after every episode if you have any suggestions complaints or funny jokes that you'd like to send us email hey at the or tweet us at the expose show we'd love to hear what you think and for those who want to send us death threats feel free because we love them see you next week